Welcome to Let's Talk Color. I'm Amy Wolf, Principal Designer at Amy Wolf Color and Design. And I'm Amy Crane, Founding Designer at Amy Crane Color. We're both professional color experts who specialize in architectural color. We met while training, and years later, the conversation is still going strong. We both live our lives immersed in color and design. We often agree, but sometimes we don't, because color is personal. Color truths, however, are universal. In each episode, we'll unravel the mystery of choosing color for your home or business, both inside and out. This is episode 18, and I want to start by saying, yay us, Amy, because we've just rounded the corner of year two, starting year three of Let's Talk Paint Color. Wow. So today we're going to expand on our original mission, or should I say it was always our mission, but we never hit on this topic before. Today we're going to talk about color and decorating Color is so intrinsic to the successful appearance of your interior. I mean, it's a a huge contributing factor to what it feels like and looks like to be inside of your home. And color's not just about paint for our walls, of course. It's about every finish, hard surface, and soft surface in our home. Let's start with the big, a big question, and maybe it's not a question for some people, but What comes first, paint or furniture? Amy, what are your thoughts on that? We're never looking at a room or any single color in isolation. It's never just about one color. It's always about how all the colors work together. I often liken it to an economic equation with multiple variables. One thing shifts, it shifts everything around it. So that whole question that you ask, Amy, about what comes first, the decorating or the paint color, takes me back to one of my very first big decorating jobs, which was in my house that I bought in Sarasota. And we moved into that house with um, a folding table (laughs) and some books and a couple of rugs. We had been living on a sailboat. We basically had nothing. We were starting from just about zero. And one of my friends who really thought of himself as quite the decorator very imperiously told me I should absolutely pick a paint color first and do everything from there. You must build the foundation of the room with a paint color, (laughs) which I don't know about you, Amy, but that is like basically 100% backwards, in my opinion. Sure. I think that's like, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Uh, Did I listen to him? Uh, probably because I just didn't have a lot of furniture. So what else was I going to do? I was going to roll the walls and do something. But ultimately, the final paint color that I ended up choosing that stayed in that room and actually stayed in that room, even after I sold it for 15 years after I sold that house, that color was still in place. Um, yeah, came after I bought all the furniture. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, you know, a lot of times people get in touch and they say, I've just bought this house. We're going to move in a month. It only makes sense to paint the walls before I get in. We're not bringing too much furniture or we're bringing some or we're starting from scratch and they absolutely must pick the walls first. And when you must, you do it. But 
I'd like to think we're talking about optimal here, you know, best world practice. And I agree with you. It's so tempting. It's so tempting to paint when the house is empty. Sure. But you have no, you have no context. Exactly. You know? Yes. You have no context. I think if clients are willing, if anybody's willing to repaint, you know, once the room has evolved, which might take a year or more, you know, if you're decorating slowly, it, it could take three, four, five years for that room to fully evolve. If you're using a designer and all your furniture will eventually come in, given lead times, it's going to be at least a year before everything lands, is, is my experience. So you can pursue a mood. You can pursue a vibe and a feeling um, with color on the walls uh, and then build the furniture into that in a way. I think that can work, but it's, it's certainly suboptimal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the bottom line is, and we always say, um, fabrics, rugs, curtains, everything comes in a limited palette, a limited number of colors. And there are so many thousands of paint colors. So why would you ever, unless you had to, pick the paint color and then try to jerry-rig in from, you know, backwards your furnishings to fit with the paint color. I mean, I get it. If you're going super duper neutral, like a white, yeah, just about anything will go with it. It, it might not go perfectly with it. And then it comes down to also what kind of white it is and what the uh, what what color family that white came from. But it's just much better to take a look at What's your sofa? What's your rug? What's your accent chair, etc.? And then pick the one paint color that's going to pull it all together and relate well to them. My rule of thumb can sort of be visualized as concentric circles. So imagine, you know, a little circle in the middle and then a slightly bigger circle around it, then a big circle around that. In the middle circle, that is those items for which you have the fewest choices. And I'm always recommending that clients start with the item of which there are the fewest choices. So a great example of that would be my local furniture store. You walk in, they sell rugs, but they maybe have 30 rugs to choose from. So that's a pretty narrow selection. Maybe there's gonna be two or three rugs that you actually like, that, that's not a lot. So we move from 30 rugs to you know the fabric wall and there are hundreds of fabrics on the wall. So you go to that layer next and then you move out to paint where there's 3,000. So we go from a couple dozen to a couple hundred to a couple thousand, you know, start with the thing of which there are the fewest options. I agree. I mean, um, when I'm called into a house to do color for all of the walls, all of the rooms, both floors, as many floors as they are, um, or all the public spaces, I often start with the kitchen for the same reason, because there are the most constraints there. And especially if the kitchen is sort of open to the other rooms so much. I mean, you're constrained by your cabinet color if you're not changing it, your your floor, your backsplash if you have one, your countertops. There's a lot of constraints there. So pick a wall color that works with all of that and then come out of the kitchen um, and go to the the hallway, the the space that's going to bridge between all of the rooms. Although I digress because we're talking about paint color here and that wasn't necessarily our intention. You know, I was a guest on a podcast a few months ago uh, by this uh, guy who 
has a very popular podcast here in the Hudson Valley, and he and his husband had bought a quite old home from the late 1700s, and there were a lot of outbuildings and all. And the house wasn't historic, but it was historical because it was old. Uh, I don't remember what, what style it was. I actually never saw it, whether it was colonial or, you know, was it a Greek revival? I don't really know what it was. But he said to me, um, what do we... What are the what kind of colors do I pick for an interior like that? And I, I said, you know, there isn't a pat set answer because number one, your decision is whether you want the colors on the inside to tie into the architectural style of the house or not. You can, it's really nice, but you don't have to because if you go another route, if your furnishings, for instance, aren't period, and aren't even traditional. If they're eclectic, let's say they're mixing some modern or mid-modern with antiques and some contemporary, that's totally fine to put in a house from the 17 or 1800s, any time whatsoever. So then you have to decide, you know, what's the coloration on all of these items? And what do you want the walls to be? And one route to go is to go for a juxtaposition of a modern color palette in an older home. Um, and I think that's really exciting. It's not for everyone. But if you're going to have a mix of furnishings like that, and then go for, for instance, white walls, um, I think that's fantastic. Again, in a really old house like that, I personally would not go with a cold, stark blue-white or just a very empty, soulless white. Um, I think you're, I think the tension of the juxtaposition of the modernity of the white with all of the colors and styles of furniture is accomplished with a more accessible white than a cold, starkly modern one. So I would, I would go with a, a white with a little bit of tone in there. But Again, this goes back to the question of what's the style architecturally of your home? Do you want your furnishings to tie right in with it or be in contrast and juxtaposition with it? And then what kind of colors for your walls and your furnishings are going to further that goal? So I think, Amy, you start with a vision. What's your vision? I would agree. I think in Europe, they do it so well. I mean, the architecture in Europe is vastly more ancient than what we have here. Obviously, there's modern houses being built in Europe. But when you think about the cities and the historic architecture, um, and thinking about whether you want to do that mashup of modern and traditional, which I think can be done really well, or whether you want kind of what I call a congruency between interior and exterior. You know, uh, I, I think it's probably easier to aim for congruency. It's probably easier to get it right, to have your exterior architecture, color scheme, vibe, the whole thing, sort of feel more in alignment with what's indoors. But I agree with you. It's it's zingier, more interesting, more challenging to see that that kind of <laughs> it's like power clashing only in style. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 And it doesn't ha- 
it doesn't have to be a clash because it isn't like, a, oh my God, they don't go together. It's more like they're not of the same ilk. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know if this happens to you, but quite a number of people who are either hiring me to do an exterior and an interior or perhaps just an interior will ask, is it important and correct to literally bring some inside color out and some outside color in? like really pull them together. And my point of view is you don't have to. I personally don't ever want to be constricted that much. I, I feel like if it happens, it's nice. This week I did a, um, I, I did a color consult on site for um, a 1790 eyebrow colonial, colonial in a local town here. And the interior of the house had a lot of white, though it wasn't all white, but their staircase was a Benjamin Moore, very lovely color, a deep, deep green, sort of a green black called Deep River. And it just, and just her staircase. As we were talking about colors for the exterior and one of the directions we were going was a dark color outside. We didn't choose that. I didn't direct us towards that for the whole house itself. But for one of the options... I thought, hey, what a great color for the door. And I wasn't even thinking about the fact that Deep River was in her house. I don't even think I knew it. And I said, how about this for a door color? It goes so great with this exterior siding color. And she, she got all excited, like, oh, my God, it's in my house. That would be great, inside, outside. And I thought, oh, it's so interesting. Um, that really turns some people on. And I get it, but I just don't think it's important. How about you? Yeah, I don't think it's important certainly not specific colors. Um, right now, I'm working on a new construction of a carriage house that's being built behind an Italianate Victorian. Mm. And we've decided that the carriage house will not look like a barn. It will not be red. It, and it will not match the house. It will be a complementary color to the house. They will each stand on their own. Um, it's a little bit of his and hers. Um, he's getting his color on the house and she's getting her color on the carriage house, <laughs> which is kind of cute. Um, but we're doing a very muted gray blue, um, on the carriage house with sort of a, a beigey gray, you know, very knocked back trim color. Um, you know, fairly low contrast. And then on the interior, which will be an art studio and a guest space, we're doing a variation on a theme up there, um, which is going to be a, a more vibrant blue and a very toned white for the trim. Hmm. It wasn't really intentional, but in some ways there's, there's a sense of comfort in that. And I think with any of these, any of these decisions, whether we're buying sofas or painting walls or picking interior or exterior colors, we always go back to that stimulus continuum that you and I both learned at IACC. And that is how much stimulation does any given person living in a space want or need? You know, what makes them feel good? You know, what makes one person feel energized makes another person feel jangled, you know, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, over, and overstimulated. So for people who are looking for a calmer experience, I do think that indoor-outdoor congruency, I think that carrying colors into the house, it lowers the amount of visual data, you know, and, you know, more visual data means more stimulation. So in a way, I think it can really serve the individual. I don't think it's a design role so much as, 
you know, really figuring out what that individual person needs in terms of variety, you know, mm-hmm. and change and, you know, how much contrast do they want? You know, yeah. and contrast can mean anything, you know? Yeah. You know, because you go from the outside to the inside and you never see one from the other, I kind of feel like it's a conceptual attachment. It's a conceptual alignment more than it's an actual physical experiential alignment. I mean, you know, your outside is blue, and then you walk in and oh, your inside is blue. Well, I know the outside is blue. They're both blue. Oh, that's calm. Okay. But I don't really think that's how we work. I think, you know, you see, you see the exterior from the street and as you approach the house and you close that door behind you and you're in the inside world. And so I, I don't know. I don't know. It feels more as I said, it feels more conceptual than experiential to me, that tying together of the colors. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and this is a theory that I do feel strongly about inside a house. And that is that I do think we carry the experience of a house, of a, of a particular room with us, even if we can't see that room. Agreed. That we still feel that color, that if you're kitchen and living room don't have a visual connection and that living room is going to be a particular color i i still think the kitchen wants to somehow still be in conversation with that color i agree with you amy and i and i and i think we could maybe consider carrying that one step further to the exterior you know, that house I was talking about in Sarasota, it was L-shaped. And so I could see the exterior from my bedroom window. I had a, so the house was an L and it was on wrapping around a patio with the swimming pool. Classic Florida ranch house. It was a great house, though. I loved it. But I could see from my bedroom slider uh, diagonally across the patio to the exterior walls. And I hated the color of the house. It was sort of beigey. And so at one point, I painted the inside of the L a mushroom color that basically you could not tell the difference. I wasn't ready to paint the entire exterior, but I needed to get the beige, the pinky beige off the interior around the pool and I made it mushroom and you couldn't tell the difference. (laughs) So what I saw from inside was mushroom and what you saw from the street was kind of band-aid besides a band-aid that's a great solution well it's so funny you're, you're telling that story amy because at this house that is from the 1790s there was a separate shed with an attached sort of conservatory hothouse and then the garage was on the other side of the house not attached and she had a really really lush garden and right now all of the property was white so the front three sides of that garage were white like the house the back side which faced the garden which had many garden rooms it's a spectacular garden was painted sort of a taupe color like the color of earth she did not want a glaring white bits of glaring white coming through all the plants growing in front of it and she thought it would be really jarring from inside the garden so she basically made it go away and while i don't normally like the idea of one wall being different made perfect sense and you couldn't see it from the road so similar story in a way to your story about your ranch 
in Sarasota. So we're pretty clear we don't start with paint color on the inside. (laughs) So choosing colors in a room, within a room, you know, you've got maybe curtains, you've got one or two chairs, you've got a sofa, let's call it, you know, let's say it's the living space and all. What, What do you think the, some guiding principles are for choosing colors and I, I know this like touches on pattern now, but um, but let's talk about color choosing colors for all of those items within the room, and then what we think as we go from room to room. I mean, I think you got to fall in love with something. That's I mean that's always my advice in the kitchen as well. Fall in love with something. You know, for me it's always tile. Tile is where I start to fall in love first. Um, I guess I would say fall in love with something. A lot of people say start with the rug. And I I think the rug can be a focal point and I think a rug can be a supporting player. So I think you can easily fall in love with a rug. Uh, My current living room was driven by a fabric I found in London. Um, It was made by a, a Scandinavian designer who has, whose name I really can't pronounce, um, who has a little shop in London. And I obsessed over this fabric for at least a year and then finally bought some. And I built the entire living room around this one piece of fabric. It's just two pillows, but it drove the whole room. Mm -hmm. You know, started with the pillows, went to the sofa, found the rug. The rug, honestly, the rug is just, eh, it's nothing major. It came from Overstock. It's not a big deal. Good supporting player. Um, I had some Hans Wegner chairs already. Um, and a Lucite coffee table, which, you know, are super neutral. They kind of go with anything. And then the last thing was the pale pink walls. You know, my, my adventure with the pale pink walls, <laughs> which took me two, two tries to get right. <laughs> so fall in love. That's my advice. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's a painting. You know, it could be a piece of art. It could be a fabric. It could be... I don't know. I don't know. It can it can even be a sofa. Yeah. And you fall in you fall in love with I mean, I kind of see it as the major player in the room. So um short of having a piece of art you love or a rug that you're you know, you inherit it and you love it and it has to be the focal point of the room, it's it's sort of the major investment piece. So I often do start with the sofa and the thing about that is that, you know, they generally come generally in neutral colors, a very limited landscape of colors. So unless you're able to invest in COM, picking your own fabric and having it uh, finished in a fabric that, you, you, you know, you choose and it's perfect for you, starting with that probably neutral colored sofa means that you have to, in my mind, you have to keep an eye towards adding visual interest in the rest of the soft furnishings in the room. So, you know, the sofa's taupe, it's gray, it's beige, it's slate blue gray, it's moss green. Uh, can it be red? (laughs) If it's your sofa, yeah. Um, um, and And then, you know, if you want some shots of color, you know, it's... It's going to come from the rug or it's going to come from that one chair you found in a color that you love to coordinate it. So it really depends, as you said, on what the thing is um, 
what the thing is that you love that you're that you're choosing to start with. I've got no problem with starting with a red sofa. I'm not a red person. So for me, red is just a little accent color. But yeah, I've seen tons of, um, you know, uh, Pinterest porn pictures of uh, rooms with teal sofas and violet sofas and gold sofas. I think that's all gorgeous. I've got no problem whatsoever in having a bold color in uh, the major piece of furniture in your room. But then, you know, you have to think about how many colors like that you want in the room. If you do have that red sofa, um, are you going to coordinate it with a more neutral rug? Are you going to find a rug that's got bits of the red in it? Are you going to go a little bit more clashy and have the rug be something totally different, like blue and green, and then pick up the blue and greens in your curtains? I mean, there's so many ways to go. Um, and your tolerance for combining colors that blend beautifully or clash a little, or contrast, that's so personal. There isn't a right or wrong. There isn't. Yeah. That that goes back to that stimulation continuum, you know? How vibrant, how much contrast, how bold, how saturated. You know, you might love bold colors, but not so much that you want a whole bunch of different bold colors. You know, you could do all bold colors from one side of the color wheel. The colors are bold, but the, there's a certain calmness because there's not a ton of contrast, you know, because because you're hanging on one tight side of the color wheel. So there, there are ways to nuance that. You know, side note here, sidebar, reading occasionally all of these online magazine venues that there are now, you know, hunker, hunker home, living, etc., apartment therapy, remodelista, all of them. There's a new term they've come up with for an old concept. Um, have you been reading about color drenching? No, nor have I heard of hunker home. Ah. <laughs> Col- I'm, I'm hunker home's new color expert, by the way. Um, so oh, that's, that's, <laughs> you're kidding me. Wow. N- no, that's ex- that's exciting. I'm, they're, they're sending me all of their previously published and future to be published color related articles for me to double check the color talk is right oh look out hunker home that's kind of of fun good all it means well in some venues they mean it they they say it to mean your wall matches your trim which you know has been my color mantra ever since you've known me Um, But now I'm starting to see it being used for not only that, but also furnishings, upholstery that matches it also, which is, you know, I always thought of as tone on tone. The whole room? Yeah. The walls, the trim, the sofa, the rug? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, horrible. Horrible in terms of, you know, how we learned about how to use color in the built world. Absolutely not enough variety whatsoever. Even if you've got tone on tone, meaning, you know, darker blue, a medium blue, a little bit this blue, a little bit that blue. Um, I personally, it's against everything I believe in in color, but it's a thing now. So now that you've heard it, look out for color drenching now that you've that you've heard it. Um, That's wild. Okay, here's what I have to say about that. I think it makes a great Instagram grid. 
Right. And it's certainly not the way anybody should have to live. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, listen, I'm going to say the same thing about an all white room. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm opposed to white drenching. I'm opposed to beige drenching. So, yeah. So colors from room to room. Um, we've talked about this in terms of wall color, but let's broaden it out and talk about, you know, all the colors in the room. Um, again, not talking about private rooms, not talking about bathrooms, not talking about bedrooms. So room to room. Um, there's the F word. Yeah. Yeah. The F word. Flow. Flow. Yeah. Um, Flow. <laughs> I think there's a real range in person in, in, in um, again, personal proclivities to tie them closely together or not. I think it's safer. And I mean that with sort of a small S, like I generally tell people, don't be don't be afraid, you know, step a teeny bit outside of your comfort zone. Some people just really, really gravitate towards tightly, a tightly controlled palette. And they might they really might want to repeat a lot of colors from room to room. And that's okay. It's just not exciting. Maybe that person doesn't need excitement. Um, Other people might like more variety, in which case, um, it's nice sometimes when rooms are really quite open to each other to maybe do a little bit of repetition because that helps so much with cohesiveness and flow. So if a room is predominantly, let's say, neutrals and greens, and you happen to have a pillow, a couple of pillows that are green and blue, you know, maybe put that blue in the next room. And create your flow that way by just picking up bits and pieces from one room, even if they're tiny accent colors, and use them in an adjoining room. Then there are people who just go, it's like a new diorama from room to room. Each room is just a stand standalone. I have a name for that. I have a name for that. But what is, what's your name? It's not very nice. I don't know if I should say it. Okay. I call it Disney World Decorating. Ah, okay where you know we're in we're in future world right (laughs) and then we're in western world right and then we're in whatever it's a small world or like a hotel yeah i think we can leave that to the hotels (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's quite discordant um there are some i'm not going to name names there are some well-known designers whose taste i generally really like but this one aspect of how they design a home, I don't care for. Because it's like, you're almost like, I get it. You're almost like a kid in the candy shop. It's like, oh, I have to have a, a Sour Patch Kid. Oh, I need a Swedish fish. Oh, I, you know, I have to have black licorice. You'd love them all. You want one of these, one of these, one of these. And, you know, you might get a stomachache when you eat them all, right? Because it's too much. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I I don't know. I really think homes should be a refuge and comforting and somehow moving room to room and from one universe to another like that, from one theme to another just feels like overstimulation to me. It feels like too big of a it feels like too big of a gear shift. I hear you. So, I'm not keen on it. I'm really not. I, you know, here's what I'd rather see. I'd rather see all those different periods and styles mixed all up into one room. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. 
you know, eclectic. So instead of, instead of mixing it up from room to room, I say put it all in the same room, mix it up, and let the color do the work. I agree with you, Amy. I actually wasn't talking about different styles of furniture from room to room. I was talking, oh. about, I was talking about colors. Like here's a, te- okay. here's a teal kitchen, and then here's a green and white living room. And then here's a mud room that has red and white checkerboard floor. And then here's a bathroom that's black and white wallpaper. I'm talking about the color of the furnishings and the walls, not style. Because in, in, ter- in terms of style, like for me, eclectic all the way. I personally love to mix it up. I really do. Yeah, but all in one room. Yeah, eclectic. I mean, yeah, overall eclectic yeah. furnishing in your whole house so that each room is a mixture of, you know, right. some antique, right. maybe an Asian piece, um, you know, a, a, a modern a modern sofa, a mid-century modern chair, a plexiglass coffee table. Yeah, I mean, you have to do it with skill. No doubt. Right. It's the har- right. it's the hard right. hardest thing to teach a person how to do. I almost don't know how to teach a person how to do it. What the eclectic thing? I how to, how to do eclectic well. It's it's a skill. Um, well, I think colors colors the answer. It helps. It helps. It definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. You got to have pretty good design chops. Yeah. But honestly, what you were describing with the teal and the red and the black and white, and I had a sort of a wave of nausea pass over <laughs> me as you were saying all those words. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It just didn't feel too good to me. But, you know, but that's me. That's me. And for other people, that much color and that variation is what makes them feel alive. Exactly. It's what makes them feel happy. Yeah. And they would be maybe bored to tears in my soft celadon green bedroom. Right. They want to live in the can- oh, well. in the candy right. store. Right. Yeah. Right. God bless them. Yeah. So. So there you have yeah. it. All right. <laughs> Until next time, when perhaps we'll be speaking more about bringing color into your furnishings and your decor. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've learned a little bit more about using color in the built world. See you next time. Yeah, and uh, stick with us for year three. Bye. 